Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. Well, this morning we're in number two of a series that we started last week, and it's called Learning to Love. If I could say to somebody that might ask the question, well, what's the purpose of life, or what's, what's the purpose of living? If I had to condense the purpose down uh, without getting into you know, all kinds of theological uh, answers to that question, if I really had to nail it, I could probably nail it with those three words, learning to love, which is the title of this series. If I had to get it into two words, I'd just put learn love. God is love. You're not going to go wrong if you're learning about him. You're learning about love, and he will teach you how to love. Uh, I really encourage you to go back. If you missed last week, get the message, watch it. Again, it's on YouTube and Facebook and everything else. So go back and absolutely you know, push pause and, and listen to what we had to share. I'm not going to go back and rebomb that. However, uh, I only got to like two points if it was a, a three-point message. I got to about point two, and my pulpit was taken away, <laughs> which was exciting. Uh, but it actually did me a favor that the, the pulpit was removed because I probably would have squeezed in my third point. I would have probably squeezed it in about two minutes last week, whereas uh, this week would not exist. And as I thought about it, I thought, man, God, like, you've shown me so much about what we're going to be talking about this morning that I'm really glad that, that you managed to get the pulpit taken away so I couldn't squeeze what we're going to talk about in, in just a few minutes. And we're going to talk about jealousy this morning. Oh, wow, jealousy. I don't know if you know of anybody that's jealous or maybe you're here and you're jealous. But jealousy is usually not associated with something good. Uh, Another word for jealousy is envy. You know, somebody's got envy eyes. They're jealous of what you've got. Uh, I want to give you the definition of, of, of jealousy. There's many uh, you know, aspects to it, but what we're talking about is hardly ever associated in a good way with love. It's usually in a bad way. Jealous lovers, that kind of thing. Jealousy generally refers to thoughts or feelings of insecurity, fear or concern over a perceived lack of possessions. In other words, a jealous person looks at what they don't have, maybe it's just perception, but they look at what somebody else has and they get insecure about that and they want whatever somebody else has. Uh, jealousy can consist of, uh, of emotions, one or more emotions like anger, resentment, uh, inadequacy, helplessness, or disgust. I don't know if you've ever really encountered a jealous person, but chances are you have. And, and often, they're jealous because your life is blessed. Uh, I've, I've encountered people before that look at me because I'm pretty happy most of the time, to be honest. It's like pretty, I don't know, it's a pretty bad day or it would have to be a pretty bad day for me not to be happy. It's not just that I got a happy-go-lucky nature. I just get up and I go, man, like, 
I'm so blessed. I'm <laughs> blessed with a beautiful wife. I've got uh, a wonderful son overseas that I miss dearly. We've, you know, we've got other things going on in our life. But you know, my life is filled with the blessings of God. How could I not get up with a smile on my face and be a happy person because of that? And it's not just because of circumstances all lining up and that kind of thing. But the biggest blessing that I've got going is God. I'm going to heaven. I'm excited about that. Like, I know where my home is. I know where eternity is for me. We're just passing through this little hunk of dirt, this little space of time. The grass grows up. It withers. The sun comes up. It withers. Uh, Solomon wrote, you know, what's the point of getting all wrapped up about this? So I'm a really blessed person. But I've noticed that a lot of people despise my blessing. But one thing that I won't do, I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to apologize for being blessed, and don't you either, because somebody else is jealous uh, of you. I, I really encourage you, don't back off from being blessed. Don't try to hide your blessing. Don't apologize for your blessing. Be blessed. Live a big life. Don't live somebody else's life. Don't live for somebody else's attitude of you. It's not that we're out flaunting our blessing. I'm not like, you know, bragging about how much material things that God's blessed me with. Not, not at all, but I'm not going to hide it if God's blessed me with something. I'm not, I'm not going to try to hide behind, you know, oh, yeah, well, you know, but, you know, it, it came because it, we were just lucky. No, I wasn't lucky at all. Was, I'm blessed by God. <laughs> My Heavenly Father loves me unconditionally. His, he pours it out uh, on me because he loves me. I'm not going to apologize and hide that. And, and I really encourage you, don't do that. Don't let somebody else's dagger eyes, poor attitude, rip you off and cause you to hide behind something else with excuses for that. So when we're looking at jealousy, it's hardly ever based upon something good. It's always, you know, it's, 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 it's jealousy of the car that you drive. It's jealous of the house that you have, jealous of your spouse, jealous of your nails, men. You know, other men look at your nails and go, man, you know, I would have those nails too if I wasn't working. People get jealous of your kids, the fact that you've got more than one or that you've got kids at all. You know, the list just goes on and on. But trying to hide that is not God's Got God's plan for you. Now, Galatians 5, I'll just read this one out because jealousy, again, is not usually an attribute that's something to be celebrated or a godly attribute. It says in Galatians 5, 19 and 20, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. <laughs> Look that one up in the dictionary. You're into debauchery. What? <laughs> uh, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, and listen to this, jealousy, right in there with all these other things. Fits of rage, kind of goes with jealousy. Selfish ambition, that's what you get accused of if you're blessed. Dissensions, factions. Jealousy is a scary thing. If you've ever met a jealous person, you know what I'm talking about. They'll do just about anything because you are blessed. They just hate you, not because of what you did, not because of what you said. They just hate you because you're blessed. But I want to tell you, do not stop walking in the blessing to stop somebody from hating you. Now, this morning's message, are you ready? Because I, if I had a mic, I'd probably drop it at the end of this. But uh, <laughs> this morning's message, the title, number two, 
in learning to love God. The title. is jealous God. Huh? I just read to you how bad jealousy is, but I'm going to read to you something that absolutely spun me out when I read it and caused me to go digging, caused me to come up with this message this morning. Exodus 34, 14. Listen to this. God's talking. Do not worship any other God. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. I just told you how bad jealousy is. It's a sin. I just told you how uh, jealousy is the equivalent of envy. It causes anger. It causes hatred, daggerize, everything bad. And the Lord goes and says, my name is Jealous. Hello? I'm a jealous God. Boom. Why would anybody follow a jealous God? <laughs> I hope that your I hope your mind is like, oh, what is where's he going with this? Like this just this just sounds terrible. Oh. And, and another question, who or what would God be jealous of? God is all sufficient. God's got it all. Anything good that's good that came into existence came out of God. How could God possibly envy anybody or anything or be insecure or be lacking or be angry or hate anybody? I'll tell you what triggered this uh, conversation called The Message. I was watching uh, some of the debates by atheists, and I'm not going to mention their names, but, uh, you know, the more famous ones, they go... I don't know how anybody, they don't believe in God for a start. They go, this fictitious person called God that these people have made up uh, has to be the most evil person ever created. How could anybody follow a jealous God? And I thought, yeah, you're right. If jealousy, the definition applies to God in that context, then I wouldn't follow him either. Then I was watching an imam try to explain this to our Q&A kind of a thing, and he, uh, you know, he overtly like, came out and said, I don't believe the Bible, obviously, blah, blah, blah. And somebody said, oh, how could God be uh, jealous? You know, oh, well, you know, that's something that the Bible, but I don't believe in the Bible. It says that he's jealous, and therefore, you know, but, but Allah's not jealous, God's not jealous. Uh, so, you know, he kind of explained it away, but nobody kind of gave an answer to that question. I think that the answer to that question, jealous God, and how could you follow a jealous God, uh, there's something, there's gold in these here hills, let me just tell you that. There's something to be mined out of that. Just like last week we looked about the commandment, the very first commandment, God commands you to love him with everything, all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, I want all of you, I, in fact, I don't suggest this, God says, I command you to love me. How could somebody have the audacity to command that somebody else loves them? Well, I'm not going to go back and re-preach that, but I really encourage you to get that message from last week because we, we really did look into that. Well, I want to talk uh, this morning again about jealous God. I want to look at somebody that, that, whose jealousy ruined him, and then we're going to dive in and, and explore uh, how we could follow a jealous God. First Samuel 18, 
And uh, we're talking about Saul, King Saul. He was anointed king, and he lost his kingship because he did a few things, like he wouldn't wait for the prophet Samuel to show up to basically do some sacrifices before battle. He just thought, well, I don't know where the prophet is. I know I'm supposed to wait for his blessing and all the rest. I'm just going to do it my way. And so he went ahead and did it his way, and then God says, okay, that's it. Like, you know, through the prophet, you didn't do it my way. You wouldn't wait. You wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't adhere to my modus operandi, to the way that I say to do it. You're disobedient. The kingship is going to be taken away from you. It's going to be given to a man after my own heart named David. And so we pick this up in 1 Samuel 18, verses 1 to 9. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan, that's, that's uh, Saul's son, became one in spirit with David. Now, notice these words here because it's very, very important. And he loved him as himself. The very thing that God says that he wants from us to, to, to love us as, as we do ourselves, he, 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 he picked this up, Jonathan did, as an act of, of walking in covenant with, with King David. Verse 2. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. Verse 3, and Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Now, it's interesting in Scripture because many times David is uh, referred to as a type of Christ. It's his lineage. Uh, Jesus, when he comes along, they call him son of, of David talks about the kingdom uh, of David. And, and David is referred to often as a, as a uh, not Christ or a Christology, but he's often a type of Christ. In other words, his behavior and some of the things that he modeled are very akin to what, what Jesus models when he comes on, a lot of the prophecies and all of that. So I want you to see it from that context uh, this morning. But, he, but the first person that you'll notice that Jonathan loved and he gave himself totally to. He loved David as himself. That's why the command is to love the Lord your God with everything, with all of you, as yourself. And when you do that, you come into a covenant with him. It's not a contract where there's loopholes and little clauses to get you out of it and that kind of thing. You're going to hold something back. But he loved him as himself, and he entered a covenant with David. Jonathan did. Now, Jonathan here re represents us. So he, he, he basically, listen to what he did here. He, he, he loved him so much that it wasn't just a command to love him. It was by choice. See, when you love God as yourself, you establish this connection with God. That's the big why. You become a conduit of God's love. It's not possible for you to uh, come into contact with God and walk away unchanged. God is the power source of all love. God is love. And the only way that you're going to never fail because love, love never fails, the only way that you're going to be successful in loving other people is to come to God, form a, a covenant with God, exchange your unrighteousness for his righteousness, and, and, and become a conduit or a, a, a superconductor of the power of God by giving yourself to him. And when you do that, 
It's for your benefit, not God's. All of a sudden, the love of God, it's like the most powerful energy force in the whole universe. Love starts to surge through you because you're in contact with him. That's why he says, I command you, the first commandment, love me with all your heart. Get, get into vital relationship with me. Come in so much contact with me. Plug into the power source. Let my love surge through you. But if you're going to live an independent life, if you're going to do it your way like Saul did, if you're going to walk away from me and think that you can love without me, then you're never going to experience the power of love in your life. That's why we need to learn how to love. We need to learn how to love and coming to God and plugging into that source. It's what Jonathan did with David. And we'll just read on here. It's a really good story. So we love him because of this connection called covenant. We love God so that his love can flow through us, uh, and, and it's a command. I, I want to I stop and tell you, like, I remember when our son was growing up, you know, he's just a little nipper, and, and we would be crossing a busy road, and, you know, his car's going everywhere, and he's daydreaming and everything else. I'm responsible for his life, because if uh, something happens to him, then I'm going to die because his mother's going to come after me. So it's like I'm going to guard this little guy's life. And so uh, I would say to him, take my hand. And, and I would command him to take my hand. We're not running across that road. I'm not taking a chance that you might do it my way or follow my lead. Take my hand. Now, am I a control freak because I'm telling my kid to take my hand? I'm doing it for his sake because I love him and I don't want any harm to come to him. It's like, take my hand. Not a suggestion. I'm not asking him, oh, son, would, you know, if you feel like it, would you, would you just please take daddy's hand? No, take my hand now. And, and, and it was for his benefit, not mine benefit necessarily. It was because I love him so much. When God says, put me first, I command you to love me. It's not because he needs something out of you. It's because you need to tap into that supply. You cannot live without him. You can't navigate life successfully without him. You need to take his hand, take his heart. By giving your heart to him, that exchange starts to happen. You become, like I said, you become a channel for love, and love never fails in life. Now, God commands us to love him. In verse 4, then Jonathan, again, type of us, he took off the robe he was wearing and he gave it to David. You know, you've got a robe that you are wearing that's nothing like the robe that God wants to put on you. God wants to robe you. He wants to put a robe of righteousness on you. He wants you to exchange whatever you got going. Believe me, it's inferior to what he wants you to have. He took off the robe he was wearing. He gave it to David along with his tunic, even his sword. All of these things mean something that I don't have time to go into right now, but it's, it's very similar to the armor of God in Ephesians 6. His bow and his belt, and then verse 5, whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. Now here's where jealousy starts to come in. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, that's Goliath, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing and joyful songs with 
timbrels with lyres. And they danced and they sang. Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Verse 8, jealousy. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands? What more can he get but the kingdom? So he's got these thoughts going through his head. I think he's after the kingdom. I know what his plan is. He's strategizing. He's after what I got. I know that he wants to take over my position. Look what they're singing. I'm no longer the number one. I'm not famous anymore. The young women are going out. They're singing about him now. They're not singing about me. Jealousy. Do you know there's a Saul in us all? Must be good because it rhymes. <laughs> there is a Saul in us all. When we look at somebody else's, whatever they got going, you know, often the first thing, I'll be honest with you, it's not the first thing, is, oh, I'm so mad. Like, wow, am I happy that you are blessed. Pastors are the worst when it comes to churches. The only one who has it all together is God. So therefore, we come back to jealous God. Is there such a thing as godly jealousy? And how could you follow a jealous God anyway? Well, I'm glad that you asked. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2. The Apostle Paul's talking here. And listen to what he says. He says, I am jealous. This is Paul. Like, follow Jesus very, very closely. Probably as close as anybody ever. I am jealous for you. Wait a minute, Paul. Come on, man. Like, we just know jealousy is a sin. It's in there with sexual immorality. It's, it's, it's envy. It's, it's, it produces anger. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. Hold the horses. There's a godly jealousy. There's a righteous jealousy. There's a time where you can be jealous, but in a good way. I promised you to, now here's, how, here's the illustration he's going to give us, and Jesus gives this illustration as well. I promise you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. God wants an exclusive relationship with you. And the closest thing that God could find to illustrate this relationship that he wants to have with you is the intimacy that he desires through you is the intimacy that's in marriage. In fact, he calls us his followers, he calls us his bride. That you are the bride of Christ. He's the groom, Jesus is the groom, we are the bride. He calls us his bride. Now, a godly marriage is comprised of three things. And these three things, if they're not in place, the person that does, doesn't get this, honestly, ha has a right to have a godly jealousy. And the number one uh, thing, three things in a, a, a godly marriage, number one is priority. When you marry somebody, and, and look, I know not everybody's here mar is married, and I get that, but just hold on, just follow me in the illustration because you are married to, to Christ. 
The number one thing in a marriage is priority. Your, your spouse, when you say I do, you, you, you enter into covenant. You are saying I do too. I put you as the number one priority, other than God, of course, but God's in this thing. You are my number one priority from now on. Not the dog. Not the job. Not the fishing. Not the beer drinking mates. <laughs> oh, some of these things are priorities, but they're not the number one priority. When you enter into covenant, you, you say I do to that person. You, you, you are put it, they are number one priority now in your life. Not, not, not even the children are the number one priority. You know, the illustration, uh, uh, really the thing that bears this out, you're in a plane, you know, they go through all the pre-flight stuff. They're telling you what to do in case, you know, take the brace position. If the plane has to ditch underneath your seat, there's, you know, uh, a flotation device. You'll find that under there. And if the mask dropped down, if the mask dropped down, I would, you know, seriously, you know you're in serious trouble if the mask dropped down, if that's ever happened to you. But if they do drop down, you know, things have really gone bad on this flight if the mask come popping down. But the one thing that you do if you have children, you put the mask on you first. You know, oh, I'm going to give the mask to the kids. and I'm, You're no good to anybody else if you don't take a breath. You can't handle your kids. You can't do what's right for everybody if you don't take a breath from that mask first. You've got to. Number one priority in any relationship, our number one priority in our relationship with God in the covenant. When you said, I do, Jesus is Lord. He's not just some, you know, out there, the universe speaking to me kind of a deal. He is the person that made the universe. He is the Lord of my life. It's not about teaching anymore, just itching ears to get more revelation. He is the Lord or is nothing. He's the Lord of all or is the Lord of nothing. He's not second to anything or anybody in your life when you bow your knee to Jesus Christ you make him the number one priority in your life anybody that tells you anything different than that is lying to you second thing in a marriage that God would expect out of us is fidelity that just simply means loyalty if you're married again, back to the marriage illustration, if your spouse is not loyal and, and faithful, fidelity, it, you know, if they got another lover on the side or, or something else going on there and they're not loyal to you, then what kind of marriage do you have? You've got a right to be jealous. You've got a right to be hurt. You've got a, you, you're not love if you're not hurt from that. And, and fidelity, loyalty is what, Jonathan gave to David and, and vice versa that, that's given in a marriage and that God expects out of us who are following him. And then the third thing in a marriage that God expects out of us is intimacy. It's a two-way thing. But what kind of marriage is it if there's no intimacy in it? Now, intimacy is, a, is an interesting thing because a lot of times, you know, we don't know what we're saying when we, when we want to be intimate. When you get married, you're basically, I am yours, you are mine. God says, I'm your God, you are my people. 
But what we tend to focus on other than intimacy is accomplishment. We tend to get all wrapped up in what we're accomplishing through the relationship with God. Look at what I've got, blah, 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 instead of the most important thing, which is intimacy. Now, God is a jealous God because God is jealous for you, not of you. So when somebody, somebody deeply loves you, it's normal to be hurt in a way that if anything is going to affect your relationship, of course you're going to be hurt. If anything gets between you and that person, there's, there's no more intimacy. In other words, they're putting fishing first and, and intimacy is choked off, then of course you're going to be hurt. If there's another lover, if you're dedicated to something else, if you get angry because of, because of that, you're not envious of something, you're just hurt because you long for the intimacy of that relationship. When somebody breaks the covenant with the one that, that, that you love, breaks the covenant, of course your heart's going to go out. Of course you're going to hurt. And that's what happens when we put other gods or what the Bible calls idols. We're unfaithful to God because we're not putting them first, because we're, we're, we're infidelity. We, we, we've lost that loyalty to God. And the int intimacy is gone because we're more intimate with fishing or something else. Now I'm going to uh, give you something here because in Exodus 34, 14, where God says, I'm jealous. In fact, my name is jealousy. It's an interesting word in the Hebrew language. It's kana, Q-A-N-N-A, -N -N -A, kana. And it means this. It means to be zealous. See, God is not jealous as in envy not jealous of you or anything that you got or anybody. God is not jealous. God is zealous. God is zealous for you. God, God is all in love with you. He is so in love with you that he gave his only begotten son. He so loved the world that that's what he did. He gave his son, not because he was jealous, but because he is zealous. He is kind of, it's used in the sense of a bird protecting its nest. It's the only word used to describe God. Zealous. It means passionate, enthusiastic, fervent. Godly jealousy is not envious. It is zealous. God is zealous for you, not envious of you. He's fiercely protective of his relationship with you. And anything that becomes between you and, and God is, is destroying you. And he knows that because that vital hookup, that, that relationship of tapping into his love, the life source is not going to flow through you. And he's zealous to keep that going. He will defend relationship. He will restore relationship. He is all about relationship. And God hates anything that destroys that relationship with him. So he stays committed to rescuing that relationship. Oh, I couldn't imagine love without passion. Oh, we're so in love. Well, if you're so in love, then we're going to see a bit of fire going on there. You know, another word for kissing is passion. It used to be anyway. You know, there's passion. God's like that. God's, God is so passionate for you. He's not envy, jealous, sinning. He is 
passionate for you. God, how could you not follow that kind of a God? Not the question of how could you follow a, a jealous God, you know, a control freak that commands people to love him. God commands you love him for your own good, and God is passionate for you. He is not jealous of you. He is not envious of what anybody's got. He is complete in himself, but he is so passionate and zealous about you. He desires to make you whole. He desires so much to bless you. He desires to see you free from sin. He is a faithful father, not a jealous judge. God is faithful. He is zealous to protect you from anything that breaks the bond of love that he has with you. He is jealous of whatever denies him relationship with you. He wants to protect you from anyone or anything that hurts you, that wants to destroy your soul. God is a jealous God. Now, we're going to close with this in a moment, but it's, ama it's amazing because jealous people in the natural, whenever they don't think they're getting whatever it is that they're after, they get angry. And if it's a romantic kind of thing, they want to kill the person that they say they love. I just want to kill them. Why? <laughs> Why do you want to kill them? Jealous! Rah! It rises up. There are people in your life because of the blessing that you've got going in your life. And if you don't think you do, honestly, get, get on your knees in prayer and ask God and thank God. Man, God, you are so good. I've got air that I'm sucking up. I live in the most beautiful place on the planet. I've got a great church. I've got friendships. I've got the material stuff perhaps as well. Maybe not as much as other people, but I'm probably not out on the street living, you know, uh, out there uh, in a park somewhere. God, you have blessed me so much. But there are people they get so angry, they are so jealous that they, that they want to kill you. But you know what God's jealousy does? It comes along, instead of wanting to kill the person that's unfaithful, instead of wanting to kill the person that doesn't put him number one, instead of wanting to kill the person that's not really that intimate, God gives you a chance. He says, okay, come on. Like, you can repent of this. You can return to your first love. Uh, behold, I stand at Revelation 3. I stand at the door and I knock. I'm knocking at the door. Would you open the door? If you do, I'll come in. We'll have dinner together. We will eat together. I'll, I'll eat with you. You can, we will have, we will restore that, that intimacy that, that got broken. He's not out to kill you. He's not a jealous God that gets angry and wants to kill you for your infidelity, for your unfaithfulness, for your lack of priority or not giving him that. He is telling you right now today, you, we can restore this thing. You can come back to your first love. You can put me number one. You can restore that, whatever's been lost. Just repent. There are some amazing scriptures to talk about this. But, you know, I'm just going to read these in close. Romans 5, 8 says this. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He took the initiative this is love, 1 John 4, 10. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Yet, Revelation 2, 4, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at the first. It says you have forsaken 
your first love. If that's you and you're here, we're going we're gonna to have a prayer at the end. And I believe, let's just get this right. Let's just restore some things. Let's just, let's just get things right in our lives and, and, and let the love start to flow again. James 4, 8, come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Revelation 3, I've already quoted it, but here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, anyone, and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with that person and they with me. So I want to ask you this morning a question because his name is Jealous. He is zealous for you. He does get hurt when we don't give him priority, when we are, are unfaithful to him. And we got other deals, other things going on, bigger priorities. We're double-minded. We, we allow those things to take up the intimacy from him, of course. But his anger is not out to get you. He's not out to kill you. It's not a carnal, jealous thing where he's going to kill you. He's so jealous about you. No, it's a zealous love that he's offering. He's flowing out to you right now. And wherever you're at, if you're watching uh, online or if you're here this morning, God is putting out his arms saying, like the prodigal son came back to the father, would you just come home? Can we just get this going for your sake? Can you put me first? Uh, 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 would you, would you come back to your first love? Can I restore what we've got? Can I bring something amazing through my love pouring into your life that right now you don't have? I'd like everybody to bow their heads if you watch it online, you can do that as well. Would you come back to your first love this morning? Maybe you've never met him. You've never asked Jesus Christ into your heart. I'm going to give you that chance right now. This decision is a decision of life itself. Would you trust God so much that you would give God all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, would you give God, if you've been away from God, would you give God his request? Would you give him your intimacy? Would you make him number one priority? Would you fall in love with him and let his love flow into your heart like never before? Would you trust him and take his hand and realize he's not a control freak and he's not jealous, angry God, envious? He, he wants to take your hand for your own protection. Would you, would you do that this morning? If you want to, I'm going to pray a prayer. You can, you can pray this prayer out loud wherever you're at. God will meet you right there. I will guarantee this change in your life, coming into covenant with him, will bring you something you've never had before. You will experience something absolutely amazing if you'll just take that step. He is a jealous God and his zeal for you is unquenchable. Say this after me if you want to pray. Say, Dear God, I come to you just as I am. Forgive me for putting anything or anyone before you. Jesus, I give you my heart and I thank you. Let your love 
flow through me right now. I am yours and you are mine. In Jesus' name, come on, everybody said amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. Thanks so much for joining us uh, today uh, uh, online. Please make sure that you uh, follow or subscribe on our YouTube channel. Hit us up on, uh, on, uh, as an email. Let me know if you prayed this prayer, you've given your heart to him. I'd love to know that. And if we can help you get connected in a church anywhere in the world, we certainly will. Just, uh, just let us know about that. So God bless you and uh, see you next week. It's going to be awesome. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.